0: 3 and verse 7, and we're going to continue our study of divine institutions, this one being the divine institution of marriage. Now, obviously, there's a lot of things that can roll into this, and part of what we're going to do when we move to the next section, which will be next week, which will be the family. Uh, That's to be the third of the four divine institutions that we've identified. First of all, is volition that requires responsibility, then husband and wife, then uh, family, and the next would be nation. And so there's relational issues that go uh, with each of these. Even volition uh, goes with your relationship with God. Basically, are you functioning in righteousness or not? And then the husband and wife relationship. That's where communication gets interesting and dicey over the, over the years. And so we're going to get some basic principles uh, out of that. We've been looking at the ladies' role. We've looked at the men's role. I think we've given them e- equal treatment under the word. And uh, tried to understand how these two things uh, fit together. And uh, so before we begin today, let's take a few moments for prayer. And get ourselves ready to study the Word of God. Let us pray. Father, thank you again for your matchless grace, for your amazing love. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your tests. Thank you for the opportunities that you have set in front of us to live the Christian life in the middle of a crooked and perverted generation. And Father, we pray today that you will uh, let the Spirit be our teacher. We pray we be able to understand and remember and use wisely your word. For we pray and ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the important thing about studying relationships is that Uh, Quite frequently, uh, we use that when our relationship's not working quite right to figure out what everybody else is supposed to do. That's quite frequently the way we do things. We want to find things to hold other people's feet to the fire, so to speak and find a way to excuse ourselves, but the biblical way to do things is to look into the mirror and find out what we need to do to be pleasing to God, and if the husband and wife both do that, then the, the result can be very, very good, so we find that that uh, in Ephesians, we find that uh, Paul has addressed the husbands and the wives in the book of Ephesians, the fifth chapter, a uh, some verses that are frequently uh read at i started to say funerals no frequently wet at weddings Funeral see is a death. A death is a separation, and for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cling unto his wife. So I guess it's got a sense of being a funeral of uh, uh, one authority structure and the establishment of another authority structure. So I'm not too far off on that. But anyway, we looked at the the husband and wife relationship in Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians 4 to 6 are about the different battlegrounds we face in life, and so you find that he's put right in there the, the battleground of marriage, which is not supposed to be a battleground, but it is constantly under attack by the evil one, and that's what we forget. If we were to remember the Ephesians 6 verse about our struggle not being against flesh and blood but against the world forces of darkness in heavenly places. That real battle, that angelic conflict if you will, that thing's going on behind the scenes and it might help us to deal with flesh and blood on a more appropriate level. Peter saw the same thing. And Peter writes the first six verses of 1 Peter 3 in such a way as to address the wives. And he says, submitting yourselves to your own husbands, even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they shall be one without a word by the behavior of their wives, having observed your pure and respectful behavior. So it's saying that this is is a good way to to operate and to work. Now, uh, it says, let not your adornment be merely external braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses. See, it's fine to dress up, but let it not be just that. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible quality of a gentle, even quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. So he's, he's... giving advice to the women, to the ladies. And remember, they're in the first century. They're under, uh, they're, for Peter, he's a converted Jew. And we find that even in the Gentile society in Rome, women had basically no rights. And so now in the church, what, what we find is that they have been given a great status of equality. There's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female slave nor free. We're all one in Christ Jesus our Lord. But there's still different roles to be observed because those roles are ordained by God and set up as an institution, and that's what we're supposed to do. Now, it does not uh, address the issue of abuse, and that falls into a, a different category. There's some other factors and dynamics that come in when that occurs, but it's, uh, it's not easy to, uh, it's, it's usually easy to start looking for ways out instead of looking for ways to make things work. And so it says in this way, in, in former times, the holy women also, the ones hoping in God, used to adorn themselves, submitting themselves to their own husbands. So their, their adornment was not just external, okay, but it was internal as well. And he's, he's making the point here that... What goes on on the inside is so very much more important than what goes on on the outside. We should take care of ourselves as best we can, and the outside is important, but it is not the most important thing. The hidden person of the heart is what is talked about. And then he says, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and boy, he was anything but, wasn't he? And you become her children if you're doing good. And are not being frightened by any intimidation. That's what Peter writes to the ladies. So he is, he is giving a very quick overview of really a, the, the role of a Christian wife in a marriage. That's basically what he is doing. But he is not setting up a master-slave relationship. And that frequently is what, how this has been understood throughout the history of the church. He is designed for, for both husband and wife to be mutual bond slaves to the Lord. That's what he set up the marriage to be. So not a master-slave relationship, but mutual bond slaves to the Lord. Now in verse 7, he says, you husbands, in the same way, literally uh, homoias is likewise, i.e. husbands have responsibilities too. So he moves from the ladies, then he moves the husband. And some, some people have jokingly said, well, Peter was married. So he gave six verses to the, to the ladies and only one to himself. Uh, Paul wasn't married that, that we know about. But Paul, uh, you might remember, was part of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee, actually. And uh, usually they had to be married to be a part of that. So what happened to his wife? Don't know. Don't have any answers for that. Not not going to go there. So he says, you husbands likewise, in a similar manner, live with your wives in an understanding way. Sunoiko, sunoikeo. Oikeo means to dwell. Sun means with. To dwell alongside. And it's a present participle. So he says, living with your wives. Saying this is not... Not a, a one time thing that you're looking at. He's saying this is a lifestyle. Oike'o means to dwell. Basically to use oikos means a house. So it looks at dwelling in a house or living in a house, and then along with, alongside your wives in an understanding way. This says literally, according to knowledge. Now <clears throat> according to knowledge, what does that mean? Well, it's it should be pretty clear that the husband should know his wife and in more than just a biblical sense not just in the sexual sense that produces children but he should know his wife according to knowledge as with someone weaker asthenēs is a word that means without strength literally thanēs means strength a on the front of it means without strength and it hence means weaker and then skuos is the word for vessel, as with a weaker vessel. Since she is a woman. Now, I've heard pastors that said she's basically an inferior creature. So, cut her all kinds of grace and slack because she's an inferior creature. No, what he's saying is that there are differences. In an understanding way, according to knowledge, since she is since she is a woman, it's not a put-down. It wasn't designed to be a put-down. Peter had grown up too much by this time and was writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit for this to be a put-down of of a wife. After what what had he done in the first six verses? Build, Build her up to where she should be the crown jewel of a marriage. He's built her up. Paul did the same thing before Peter wrote his epistles. And since she is a woman, realize there's a difference that is there. Why put that in there? I think a big part of it has to do with the 20th and 21st century in the world. Because uh, people are trying to go about things in the wrong way and they're not realizing the biological Uh, differences between a man and a woman not realizing the psychological differences between a man and a woman trying to turn a man into thinking like a woman and a woman into thinking like a man and throughout Scripture you find passages that act like men he wrote that to the Corinthian church hey guys grow up is what he's saying act like a man you're called to be the leader in your family be the leader be the main teacher of your children be the one who sets the example. That's why he's saying, act like men. Now <clears throat> he's saying, and how do you do that? And show her honor. Apo is a word used only once. Uh, we run into these these words and whenever you start studying words like this and you hit one that's only used one time, people that, that, that look at the, the Greek go, okay, pay attention to that. It's a word that means to... Assign or to apportion something. It is used in the papyri. Some of the extra biblical writings. To refer to a prefect. Who gives to all what is due them. It is a legal issue. That is the way the word is used. To give all what is due them. And then honor is the word time. Which is a word that means basically wait. The value that comes along with her, give her honor, grant her honor, as a fellow heir. Oh, that's nice. Of the grace chorus of life. Why? So that your prayers will not be hindered. It says literally, so your prayers, which is the word prosuke, U-K comes from the word echo, means to have, Pros means in front of the face. So it says to pray, when it's used for prayer, it's praying before the face of God. Now, why do we do that? When we used to come before mommy or daddy, when we were little kids, we'd often want to have their approval, right? And you could often tell their approval by their face. Well, God is personified here, and it says, you're looking to do that which is pleasing in the eyes of God. So this is a prayer of a type that is seeking to be pleasing to God. And he says, so your prayers, the things you bring in front of him, things you ask him for, your petitions, your intercessions, will not be cut off, is the word. copto. copto means to cut, cut off. So <clears throat> he says, husbands likewise, living with your wives according to knowledge, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, apportioning honor to her as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be cut off. Now, like Abraham, Sarah was not perfect. Okay, we know Abraham was not perfect, right? Chapter 12, say you're my sister so they won't kill me. Chapter 13, Lot, leave the land of your relatives and go to a place that I'll show you. So he, or Abraham do that, so he took Lot with him. Oops, mistake. Chapter 14, a high point, went and defeated the strongest army in the world back then. 15, a high point. 16 is Hagar. God said he was going to make a great nation out of him. He didn't have a kid. His, and Sarah said, Hey, I have an Egyptian handmaid. Why don't you go into her and produce a child? And Abraham, failing to be the leader in his family, said, Okay. And so he went in there, the result was Ishmael, that has been called a wild ass of a man. What a description of that half-Egyptian, half-Jewish group of people that have plagued Israel even to this to this very day. Chapter 17 was circumcision. There he was obedient. You know, one of those exciting chapters for Sunday morning is to teach, teach the, the chapter of circumcision. Uh, chapter 18 and 19 is what he's talking about here because three guys showed up and he said, Sarah, go fix, go, go fix the, the fatted calf, the bread. Get, I mean, it was fix a Thanksgiving meal for these three strangers came walking in. Now, I think Abraham figured out who they were pretty quick. But anyway, they're in the custom of that world. Those three men were sitting around a table. The wife did the preparation and she didn't argue with him and she went ahead and and did it. So they're sitting there eating and she's hiding behind the tent eavesdropping on the conversation and he says, I'll be back this time next year, Abraham, and you will have a son. And Sarah laughed. Hmm. She laughed at God. My Lord, being old, how shall he have a son? Huh? And the Lord said, Sarah, why did you laugh? <laughs> you know this story. Uh, I didn't laugh. Okay, why did you eat from that tree? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the, the same thing being called on the, on the carpet here. And, and uh, oh, yes, you did laugh. So we're going to call this kid's name Isaac. So it'll remind you every time, every time you call him by name, you're going to be reminded of your doubt of God. And so as we, we know what happened... With that, but they were not perfect, Sarah wasn't perfect, Abraham wasn't perfect. they both had a list of uh, a list of flaws, if you will. now, men are called to learn about women all the way back in Genesis two and three. Adam was to explore Eve, Eve was to explore adam i I saw a little sign two or three weeks ago that was kind of cute, it says. You really understand women when you understand what they're not saying. And I thought, that's a classic. Where do I get that sign? <laughs> I mean it's one of, those, one of those things when learn according to knowledge men and women think differently. That's just the way they do. They, they taught that and when I went through a police course a long time ago in uh, Clinton America an auxiliary police course out there, and they said, if you're looking for witnesses you're gonna, and you have a, an accident, you're going to ask the man what was the make and model of the car, and you're going to ask the woman what color the car was because the man will pick up the make and model, the women will pick up the color. Now, which one is right? Both of them. And oftentimes arguments go like, well, it was a 61 Chevy, now it was a blue car. And they're, they're arguing over the same thing. And they don't even, don't even realize it. Genesis 2 and 3. Learn about the woman. That's an exploration that God has given men. Just like uh, train up a child in the way he should go. Literally is train up a child according to his way. And when he is old he will not depart from it. According to his way takes into account more the personality of the child. It also includes in the way he should go, but the way the grammatical structure is set up there is the type that basically says, recognize what they are. Some kids you can just wear out their behind, and they're not going to change. And other kids you can just give them the look. You know, mom can give them the look. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Or dad, uh, wait till your father gets home. Your dad can give them a the look. It's all it takes. So know the, know the children is what it's saying. Know them well enough to know what they're going to respond to and what they're going to learn from. You're a teacher as a parent. So so learn that. Now, differences do not imply superiority or inferiority, just a difference in divine design. Right now we, of course, know about this thing about letting uh, uh, Men who have decided to become women compete in girl sports. Now, there are five male high schoolers today who are faster than the fastest woman in the world. The record for women, fastest woman in the world, there are five male high schoolers that are faster than that, that we know about. Is there a difference between male and female? There is. You know, and and leave it to the government, they did a massive study on that. And you know what they found? There are differences between men and women. They see things different, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. That was just basically a book saying we see things differently. Whenever you go to Genesis 1, didn't God tell us that to begin with? Male and female, he created them. Okay? We're human beings, is what we are, but there are differences. Uh, Differences in our anatomy. There are differences in our physiology. There are differences in our psychology. There are differences. So when we try to mash everybody into one thing, we're going against the divine institution. In so doing. And why do you think Satan's after it? Because he wants to destroy everything God made. Men are to accept the fact that both male and female are equal in Christ. Galatians 3.28. This epistle had been circulating around. Uh, It was the first epistle uh, written by Paul. uh, Galatians written 46-48 A.D. And he says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free man, Male nor female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. Being all one in Christ Jesus, there's an equality that goes there, but there's a differentiation as to roles. It's a difference like within a church. You find a pastor or a pastor teacher. You find elders within a church. You find deacons within a church. You find members of the congregation. What is it? Are we all equal in Christ? Absolutely. Do we have different roles? Yes, we do. That's, that's what God has called us to do. Men are to honor women. And I would say beginning with their mother. Uh, one of the best things that um, uh, us grown men can do for a young man is to, is to honor our mother and our wife. It's One of the best things we can do is model that example. And uh, young gal's looking for a husband. If the guy you're looking at doesn't honor his mother... I think might look somewhere else. Might be pretty smart to do that. It is to be continued by honoring their wife. Men are to be men, which means they're supposed to be people of character. They're supposed to have honor. Honor your wife is what it says. As a fellow heir of the grace of life. See, sometimes I, I hear all kinds of terrible stories that about things and, some guy gets a big bonus or something like that, and the first thing he can think about is, uh, how about a boat so I can go fishing? Or they think about things, and maybe they, which should be fine if all other things are taken care of, and you have a conversation with a wife, and it's not, I'm going to buy a boat. It's more like, what do you think? Okay? It's a, it's a whole different attitude. It's things that build relationships that don't tear them apart. Reasons to honor women. Why are there reasons to honor women? We, we shouldn't even have to go through this, but we do. And especially in this, this generation, believe, because as believers, they're fellow heirs in Christ. That's what he just told us. Fellow heir. I, I really seriously think, the way some men have treated their wife over the course of time, that they're gonna be, that their wife will have a position of authority over them in eternity. So, ladies, it's only for a little while, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Because if you follow God's plan, he doesn't forget. See, God is not so unjust as to forget the good that you have done in ministering to the saints. Now, your husband is a believer, or even is an unbeliever here. Your husband, honor him by doing this, because the Lord will honor you for eternity, That's what will happen. That's part of the the promises that we have. We we honor women because as Christian women, they belong to Christ. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Preference to one another. Husbands, does that mean only to other men, or does that mean you start with your wife and your family? How about give preference? Give preference... Seems to start with the, the wife first, the family, and then other members of the body of Christ. Preference. Establish priorities. It, why honor women? Because the word says they're due honor. From Romans 13. Verse 7 and 8. Render to all what is due them. Here he says tax to whom tax, custom whom, to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Didn't Peter just say grant her honor? Is a fellow heir, the grace of life, part of the inspired word of God. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. Because he who loves his neighbors fulfill the law. You know, there's 613 laws in the Mosaic Law. And we go back through these laws. And we, show, we only re- remember oftentimes 10 of them. But sometimes if, if we wanted to really keep the law and do it all right, we've got stuff like... Um, I don't cleaning out your house every spring. I mean, there's a there is a whole lot of other laws that go with that that mosaic law. But what did he say here? Who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Who's he writing to? He's writing to Jews and Gentiles, and he's saying that that. You know, that's what we know is the second greatest commandment, to love one another. That's what the law is designed to do, is to teach loving one another. And the Mosaic law was designed to give penalties, but we're no longer under the penalties of the Mosaic law. People say, well, we need to be. Well, are we ready for that? You know, are we ready for that? What do you do with a stubborn and rebellious child under the Mosaic law? Take them to the elders at the gates. If they're found guilty, they can die. That was a penalty under the Mosaic law. Now, for that, Christianity has been uh, attacked because the God of the Old Testament's way too harsh. That's what they what they've said, and he's just really a bad guy and a mean guy. No, he is a just God. And what happens when justice is not rendered uh, accurately as it should? We're seeing that all over the world right now. We're seeing that all over the world. Because they're special. That's one reason you honor your wife. First Thessalonians 4, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, I like this because people say, well, I just want to know God's will for my life. Well, here it is. This is the will of God, your sanctification. You sanctify means to be made holy. Like Peter says, be ye holy as he is holy. It's being set apart. And then he gives an explanation of it in this context. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. His own vessel is a reflexive pronoun used in there. And he's talking about his wife the weaker vessel. Who he's talking about? Possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion, like the Gentiles who do not know God. He's writing the church at Thessalonica. I saw something pop up the other day on the Babylon Bee. I don't know if you guys get the Babylon Bee or not. It's one of those little tongue-in-cheek things that that showed a. Uh, postal service truck pulling into the driveway (laughs) the caption was the third epistle to the Thessalonians has just been delivered (laughs) oh gosh sorry for going there sometimes things pop in my head and they're hard to pass over (laughs) being a fellow heir indicates holding an equal status in the family fellow heir of the grace of Christ. See, it's all about heirship with the Lord. From Romans 8, verse 16 and 17. She is a fellow heir with the Lord as we are. How do we treat other members of the royal family of God? Sometimes people think we treat everybody else that's a believer one way and we treat our wives with less respect. That's not the way it works. We are to give preference to one another in honor, and you start with those closest to you. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's a capital S on the first one and a little S on the second one. The Holy Spirit with our human spirit that we're children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We must never forget that Jesus Christ is the heir. And he is sharing the spoils of victory that he has won with us. So he's, he's saying, okay, I want you to share it with other fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. So here is the, the heirship, which is, has to do with, with the distribution of eternal blessings, crowns, gold, silver, precious stones... Uh, rulership authority, various things that go with that, fellow heirs with Christ. So that means that the ladies can be in positions of rulership as well. Because we're, we're not going to have that type of distinction in heaven. How do we know that? We'll be like the angels in heaven, Jesus said, neither marrying nor giving in marriage. There's not going to be reproduction in in heaven. And people say, well, that's, that's a lot of fun that he gave to the human race to be able to reproduce and have that. Well, I can tell you this. The blessings of heaven are far beyond anything we can think or imagine. Anything we can think or imagine. So <clears throat> if, if we trust God, we're going to go, okay, you got, you've got all this covered. Being a fellow heir, equal status in the family, because the heirship includes believing Gentiles. From three, Ephesians 3, verses 4 to 7. There's an airship that comes about with the uh, Gentiles for the Jews. Because the Jews thought it was all theirs. But when the church came, the bride of Christ came, the Jews had to get used to the fact that something's different here. There is uh, believing Gentiles as well. So the Jews are going to have to lay down their prejudice... Gentiles are going to have to lay down their prejudice for all of us to get along with one, one another. It relates us to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I, I love this. I love Hebrews 11, along with a whole lot of other passages. But this one says, By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise. He here is Abram, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Fellow heirs of the same promise. Do we share in the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant? Yeah. We're related to Abraham. Did we replace the Jews? No, the church didn't do that he maintains the distinction all the way uh, all the way he maintains the distinction between jew and gentile and the jews i think people say well god was not a god of grace in the old testament the fact that israel still exists is a picture that he is gracious because they did stuff they a lot of them lost their lives in a whole lot of different ways. A lot of them died. A lot of them were killed over the centuries. Died the sin unto death quite clearly. But he still preserved the seed of Abraham. <clears throat> Respectful communication is a specific way to honor one's wife. Be thoughtful. Considerate. Compassionate. Gracious. Faithful. Basically, be, be Christ to them. Men should seek to focus their family on the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ. <clears throat> it's real easy to get confused in a so-called complex society. This complex society, though, is not as complex as the devil wants you to think it is. Because there's some things that are so very basic, involve the basic decisions of, of mankind. We've been studying them on Wednesday nights. Some very basic issues of what is there about life. What should we do? How should we make decisions? 2 Corinthians 11.2 says, I am jealous for you of the godly jealousy. I betrothed you to one husband, the Corinthian church to Christ. That to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness... Your minds be led astray from simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Paul said there's a simplicity and a purity to it. Did he say how we should live? Yeah. How is it? Husband-wife relationship, family relationship, national relationship. Live in a way that honors the Lord. And to do that, you live in a way that honors all men is what it says. Failure to honor your wife will adversely affect your prayer life. That's our verse right here. That little thing tacked there on the end. Grant her honor as a fellow heir the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. It basically is saying that uh, you, you want to you wanna disrespect your wife? Guess what's in it for you? Part of Satan's plan is to hinder the believer's progress. When we look at egg copto, it's not used very often, where it's used, it gives us more insight into this, this passage. 1 Thessalonians 2.18 says, I wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan cut us off. Thwarted is what they use in the English, New American Standard. He cut us off. Satan had a role in getting the the visit from Paul to the Thessalonian church hindered. And what better way to get a man, what better way than to get a man to not honor his wife? To cut him off, to hinder him from doing that. See, that is the satanic strategy strategy, strategy to divide relationships, divide them up. It's his major strategy. He went after the man and woman in the garden. He's been doing it ever since. Who hinders us from obeying the truth? Galatians 5, 7. Again, the word is used. And Paul writes the Galatian church. First letter that he writes. And he says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? When you find that question, you find the answer Satan. It's used several times. Well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Men should treat their wife with respect and share the blessings of life. That's the basic point to what is going on. They should treat their wife with respect and share the blessings of life. Now, communicate respectfully. How do you go about doing that? Just some practical uh, practical things. Uh, state how you feel. There needs to be a freedom when I, when I go through a premarital counseling situation with people who are going to get married. There's a big chapter in the book that we use as a workbook that deals with communication. And these are just some very simple principles that sometimes we need to point out to us. You should be free to state how you feel. I feel this way. Okay? That should be open. And usually the response is we shouldn't feel that way. Well, we need to watch out for stuff like that because we move into the correction ro- mode and we don't listen so that communication can happen. State how you feel. Look for ways to accentuate the positive. Now, it's, uh, some of us have been around long enough. When somebody starts praising us, we know there's a butt coming. Okay? We've been around... Well, you really do this, you really do this, but. And it's just kind of, here it comes. And then the next thing we know is our walls go up. Because you know what we're real good at? Building walls. Building walls. We're real good at building walls. We'll build walls to protect us. We'll build walls to cope. We build walls for all kinds of different reasons. But we ought to be able to state how we feel look for ways to accentuate the positive avoid accusations like use of the word you uh, you always is a good way to kill a conversation because the first thing that happens is the wall goes up and you go, and your brain goes not always <laughs> I mean that's, that's whether it comes out or not it's well, not always and then you can start giving exceptions To that statement. You always or you never. Oh that's another good one. Because what that does. Is put the finger of accusation. On somebody. And communication has problems. After that. Avoid commands. Okay avoid commands. Now Abraham. Did tell. In a command form. Sarah to go. Kill the fatty calf. Make some bread. Go make dinner is what he said. But normally, the way we should respect each other is ask, would you mind? Okay? There's other ways to do it because when we start throwing commands around, we assume positions of authority that maybe uh, we're not, um, we're, we're trying to work the master-slave relationship instead of the equal bond servants, the fellow bond servants' approach to the Lord. Avoid exaggerating the facts. See, that's the you always and you never thing. Okay, Be humble enough to realize you might not have the facts correct. And if you start off with the I feel like or this is what I see and you approach it honestly with am I understanding this situation right? Then what you have is respectful communication that goes back and forth. Avoid playing psychologist. Okay, we... we uh, Watch enough T V shows probably to think that we are crime fighters, psychologists, we've got everything figured out on it. We've we've seen law and order. We ought to be able to defend ourselves in a court of law against and avoid playing psychologist, avoid playing archaeologist. (laughs) Some things need to stay buried. Seek a win-win situ- solution rather than a win-lose result. Because we as human beings with sin nature, we want to win this fight. No, we need a win-win. How do we get this to come out where it's a win-win instead of a win-lose? Avoid trying to sway disagreements with many words or quick thinking. Uh, that can happen quite, quite easily. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in conversations with people, especially if you're in a position where you, you have to point out an error uh, that maybe somebody is following or doing or something like that, and they try to bury you with a whole lot of words and try to win the conversation and sway it around with a conversation instead of taking time to listen. Avoid trying to do that. See, we we can't control what other people do, but what we can have... a element of control over is how we respond and how we react and what we do on on this end accept responsibility for your words or actions there's some people we see them in the national media they wouldn't admit a mistake if it was blatantly obvious and we have seen blatantly obvious mistakes that people won't admit to it's not good for anybody anywhere anytime And lace your speech with grace. See, Abraham was a very clear-cut goof-up. Right? He was. And he wasn't done saying, Say you are my sister so they won't kill me. That's Genesis 20. He did it in chapter 12. And it was, why would he have done it then? Because the Lord just said, I'll be back this time next year and you will have a son. You shall call his name Isaac. Within that three months, before Sarah got pregnant. Within that three months, Abraham had pulled that same stunt. This time with a Philistine king instead of an Egyptian one. And what did the Lord do? Struck the whole kingdom with impotence. Why? Well, I firmly believe it was because... He didn't want anybody to say that wasn't Abraham's son. So, what if she she was put in a harem? So, what did God do? (laughs) And then, Abimelech found out. He called Abraham on the carpet. And he's... I I really... That's one of the replays I want to get. Abraham chewing out a... uh, Being chewed out by Abimelech. Because he said, What you did shouldn't have been done to anybody. You get your family. You get them all out of here. And get them out now. I don't ever want to see you again. <laughs> I mean he, he ran him out. But here's an unbeliever. Righteously chewing out a believer. For not trusting his God. That's what happened. So this is. Was. was. Um, did Sarah have her faults? Yeah. But Abraham had his. And whenever things get laced with grace, the result is something special. For them, it was Isaac. Because in him, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And they were. What a blessing. The role of the husband and wife is not a formula we can follow. There's some guidelines and there's principles. When do they fit? We need a lot of prayer. We need a lot of prayer as to how we do things, how we respond, and it needs to be thought out usually beforehand, so it's not just an emotional quick response, but it's something that is that is that is designed, and you know what, we have to be trained in these things too. Hebrews 5 talks about being trained in righteousness, trained in the right responses, because our sin nature's taking us another way already, so we need to be trained train ourselves to do certain things. That involves the self-discipline. And where does that come from? The Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, again for your grace, your mercy, your love, all your blessings, all your tests. Thank you for this divine institution of marriage. And Father, we know it's under major attack and has been for centuries, but even more so today. And Father, we pray that that we'll be able to stand firm, give some biblical reasons why that marriage should be between one man, one woman, husband and wife. That's the way you designed it. And and be able to, to point out the good in it and be able to stand firm against the forces of evil that are trying to, to tear it down. Father, we commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.